listener, welcome to this week's episode of the Dagod Podcast. Since we last recorded, football has returned to our screens in a big way. To walk us through the biggest talking points so far, we are joined today by Fabian Odiambo. Fabian, hello. Hello, everyone. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm good, I'm okay. Right, you? Uh, Cabral Opio, hi. Hi. How have you been? Well, you ask the same question every week, but I'm still fine. Yeah, it's important to know how you people have been. I mean... <laughs> There's football, we are fine. <laughs> and making her debut on the podcast today, it's Wambui, our big money signing. Hello. Hi. Uh, which chat number do you like as as, as the big uh, big name signing for this podcast? Um, I'll go with my usual 37, I think. Why 37? Why 37? Why 37? Why 37? There's something interesting. Yeah? They're not the, the religious type, but the numbers 3 and 7 are apparently for perfection. And they add up to 10, which is also a number that represents perfection. So, uh, long story. Quite the start. This is wow. exactly the, ki- the kind of performance you were looking for when we signed you. So, <laughs> anyway, we'll start uh, the Premier League. Only one place to begin, and that is Arsenal. Well, um, the premise is, it seems the more things change, the more they remain the same. Arsenal, again, self-sabotaging, um, so to speak, against Man City. Uh, individual mistakes uh, compounded by injuries, compounded by the same issues that um, appear to affect Arsenal all through every other season yeah i i, I think uh we, we were very unlucky to have the covid happen when it happened uh because it totally uh ruined our momentum we had gotten some some good momentum going on but now uh, then the break came in and now on the first match after the restart uh our players are falling down like flies we can't defend. David Luiz is David Luising. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, the things are just all over the place. So I guess it's uh, one of those things that. Uh, but hopefully, uh, we'll turn the corner soon. So we might win the FA Cup. Finish on finish on forty points, but win the FA Cup. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. David Lewis has now given away four penalties uh, against Liverpool, Swartford against Chelsea, and against Manchester City. Um, was that perhaps one of the worst performances you've seen in the Premier League in football entirely? Um, not really. I just think uh, that uh, in the age of uh, social media, things get blown out of proportion quite a bit. Uh, someone who's <laughs> religiously watched Phil Jones for <laughs> almost 10 years now <laughs> would attest to the fact that, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was just um, the, the, the worst centre-back performance I've ever seen was uh, more Portugal. Uh, for Sporting Lisbon, that is uh, Sebastian Quartes. Yes. Um, he gave away three penalties in one game, <laughs> and then he got a red card after the last one. 
So, you know, that's perspective. That's giving you perspective of how I had to rewatch the game. I just saw highlights and then I had to rewatch it to see how he was kept on. And then when he came back from his suspension, he gave away the penalty. So, you know, um, perspective is important. Um, I, I, I think, you know, Luis is a very good footballer. Uh, not not a very clever defender. Uh, Gary Neville already said that he plays like someone who's being controlled by a kid on a, on a PS, a PlayStation. So, you know, <laughs> there's only that fact. And the fact that Chelsea gave him away to Arsenal, you know, very easily. Chelsea do not give away good things. That's just a fact. There's no one who leaves Chelsea and, you know, does well. So, yeah. It, it wasn't the worst. Mm. Um, well, Seb- uh, Sebastian, you said Sebastian Quartus, right? Yes, yes. Well, he did it in 90. David Lewis did it in 25 minutes. So, Everything if, if gives away a, a penalty or so, or maybe a goal. It happens. It, it, it's normal. It's just uh, magnified because um, you, you'll find for teams in the, at the top of the Premier League, when their players do something, it'll be magnified. But Pogba plays, you know, a wonderful pass. People will say, "Wow, no one, no one can play such a pass in the world." The reality is, maybe there are like two or three players in the world who can play such a pass. But since it's Arsenal or United or maybe Chelsea, things will get magnified. It, it's just it is what it is. Right, um, Bobo. Dugout called Jonah. He started tweeting out Ateta out. Um, is it too soon? Which side are you on? Is should he go or he needs time? Why would anyone be tweeting Ateta out at this time? Too soon, it's way too soon. That guy needs like, two years to just correct the mistakes and I don't know. Rectify a, a collection of mistakes from Wenger's era, from Emery's era, and then now start maybe implementing his own style with his own players. So he needs time. He needs time and money, but more time than anything. If you throw money at him without the time, doesn't You need time. It's too soon. And so far, have you seen any signs that he's headed towards the right direction? I think, as Fabian said, the, 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 the COVID thing really interrupted with the momentum. You could see what he was trying to do, the play he was trying to implement. You could also see that the players' attitudes were uh, towards better attitudes than what we've seen before. So I think maybe after a while, after maybe if we can gain some momentum with a few remaining games, then we're headed in the right direction. Right. Now, um, after losing to Man City in the, in the midweek game, Arsenal went away to Brighton and uh, they took the lead via uh, Nicolas Pepe um, Screamer. But then Brighton came back to win the game 2 1. But the biggest story of the match was Matthew who appears to be. Uh, firebrand, so to speak. Is he a better shit stalker than who? Gwendozi? Yes. Um, 
I don't know. Gwendozi is a curious, um, is a strange character. We when when he came when he was signed the last season, and his first his first few his first like almost the whole of his first season he was he was very good. Uh, and I'm talking about his his game, the the football he played. He was very good with the passing, with you know the pressing. Uh, but I don't know. Ever since uh, this this season, I think he had a good game at Sp- against Spurs in the derby. But there have been very few of those from him this season. So I don't know whether I. Uh, and remember, he got a call up to the French national team in, in November. So I don't know whether that has gotten into him too. Um, but uh, I still think he's a good player. The thing is, he's just um, he's 21, so he's not exactly the finished product. He's, uh, he still has a long way to go, I think, and I think that's what most fans don't realize. Um, he has a lot of learning to do. In as much as he's shown he can do a few things here and there, there's still a lot of improvements, that a lot of adjustments that he has to make uh, in his game. So I wouldn't, I've seen most fans are turning against him you know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in a rush to, um, to you know, to dispense with them. Um, about what happened in the Brighton game, uh, you know, you'd, I'd rather have players like Mendoza who, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, bring the shit house into the team. Um, yeah, you, you know. He was okay. was saying that, uh, and in particular, Gunduzi was, you know, uh, trash talking all game. But yeah, what is he supposed to do? What is a player, uh, master player supposed to do when they're playing Brighton? You should talk at them thoroughly so that you get them off the game. That's what you're supposed to do. So, so I don't, I didn't see anything wrong with that. Uh, maybe, maybe. He went overboard at full time when he grabbed uh, his neck. But let us not let, let us not be hypocrites. Patrick Vieira did that all the time in his time, and he was one of the finest captains ever. And people praised him for actually. Vieira wasn't praised much for his football, but he was praised much for you know how he behaved, how he how tough he was, how you. You know how every the every opponent feared him. Uh, his 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 clashes with Roy Keane, who was an equally uh, volatile character. So I don't think there should be a problem having such a character in the team. Um, I mean, it, it it sends a message to the opponent. These guys are not, you don't just come and mess around and you just walk, walk over them. They give you a fight, both on the ball and both uh, physically. So. If we do that, you should continue doing that. But the thing with Arsenal is, and for, for for a decade now, we've not been feared. In the Premier League, if you really want to succeed, you have to be feared. You have to evoke fear in the uh, in the opponents. They have to come to your ground knowing that it's going to be a long, long afternoon or a long, long night. 
they don't just you don't want an opponent coming at you and saying ah we can beat these guys actually you're going to beat these guys no so i think fans need to calm down uh gunduzi is still young but he has the right temperament i don't for a second doubt his temperament and we need we actually need more more and more players to be as uncompromising as 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 tough as he as, as he is yeah um bobo i fabian mentioned that perhaps asel could go on and win a trophy but with 40 points in the league what do you see as the best case scenario for arsenal during the season um, we've already survived so no relegation for us that's a good thing yeah. yes. um, i think i think anything can so bad it's it's we need, we need to be out of europe next season just rebuild with them though the best side of that is where when the youngsters get the matches to go players like Saka have benefited from the Europa League so maybe we may want to try and get into the Europa League just to give more youngsters a chance but I really don't mind having the time off to just develop as a team for Ateta to know his players get back into maybe then no maybe not top 7 then after that work towards champions league I think i'm tired of the days we used to go to the champions league matches and get battered 5-1 at home and 5-1 away <laughs> that is exactly what happened mm-hmm. we went back to the champions league right now so maybe europa at best um probably the fa trophy would be good but i'm not really counting on on that okay yeah. now from one north london club to Another one, Man United visited Tottenham Hotspurs in perhaps the game of the week. Uh, Cabral, this was the first game back for both clubs. Um, what are your general thoughts about uh, the game? Um, I, th- I thought it was uh, probably one of the the games with the least quality you know, I've watched in a long while. Um the quality was off you know there's there's a bit of quality at liverpool even though you know they can decide to shit house a bit of the time yeah. the thing about spurs and united was um uh, mourinho set out to you know to really not have the ball and only you know would ideally like to not have the ball so you have these two teams who you know do not really want the ball but one is forced to take it because uh, you know it wants someone has to have the ball and the the team that has the ball does not know exactly what to do with it either so you know you have a 90 minutes of you know let, let me say 70 minutes of um, a shit show and then a uh, 20 minutes of you know individual brilliance from you know when pogba was on the pitch and uh, you know he linked up with bruno and then suddenly you felt wow this is watchable but not because of the quality of the match but the quality of the footballers on show So you know you could tell that uh, you know Spurs were suffering like uh, the the for the forwards were suffering in the last 20 minutes or dead on their feet Aiken has not played uh, for like 6 months uh Son was also dead on his feet so and they don't have um replacements for them you know like suitable replacements uh with United um they could have if Pogba was in a few minutes earlier they probably could have won it so uh only also screwed up a bit with his uh, selection those are the games where probably you start your best team and uh, you know you see just sub off pogba by maybe the 60th minute uh united would have like a two goal lead and then you sub off you know the the people who have not played there's pogba there's greenwood 
but he got it wrong. He got it the other way around because he started uh, Daniel James. I have nothing against him. It's just that he doesn't have much quality, you know, if he, if he can't run. And football isn't really a sprint most of the time. And so, you know, you get these people who are, the players who are fast, the Gareth Bales and Theo Walcott who thrive in space, but they also have a bit of a football brain around them. So with Daniel James, that's hard to see because um, <laughs> he just runs very fast and covers for, you know, the, the fullback. Uh, so that wasn't the game to start him. So uh, ultimately, it, it was a game. I, I love United. Of course, I loved watching them back, but I didn't like watching whatever it is that was served up. Um, Fabian, so obviously, mm-hmm. Jose Mourinho as a coach, he's, he's had um, his, say, reasons for playing certain players at certain times. Um, Harry Kane, this was his first game back from a long spell out injured. Perhaps playing him for the 90 wasn't the right decision, was it? Um, well, hindsight is a good thing. Hindsight of early 2020. Um, but I don't think, I don't think Jose had a chance. I mean, if you, if, if, if the club's first game back after so long, you want to show that you, your your key players are up to uh, are up to the task. So you want to put all your players that are available uh, in the lineup. Yeah. See, it would have been worse if, if Jose didn't start with Kane because, and then the result was and then the result was what what it was. Uh, there'd be question, there'd be you know unnecessary scrutiny on the decision. So uh, yeah, you could say um, Ken hadn't played a lot of football, but uh, he has now to start playing football. So the only way to deal with a player who hasn't played in a long time is to give him the minutes to play. So I think it was just the right decision. I mean, uh, of course, you're not going to expect. Um, and, and any player for that matter to start hitting the ground immediately after such a lengthy layoff. So the thing is, is, is getting. It's important that he got those minutes. Is uh, getting much fit. Um, getting uh, to terms, coming to terms with, the, you know, not playing in front of fans. So all that. So it was still a good. De- I, I'd have made the same decision if I was Joseph. Uh, the thing is, of course. Ken was a bit leggy, but that's expected. And and of course, the, the problem is he didn't score. If he had scored, I'm sure the story would have been, been different. Nobody would be asking why Ken was played. So, uh, also, that, I think, uh, yeah, the, the, choice, the choices Jose made for his first were just the right ones. Right. Bobo, Liverpool set such high standards uh, before the break in play. Uh, what wrong at Merseyside? They seem to struggle when it comes to win a problem they didn't have before the lockdown. Um, I think I'll say it's, it's it's Liverpool have been punching above their weight for a long, long time. They do have the quality, a bit of the quality in some players, but they're not all that we make them out. You have players like Trent who are very good going forward, but defensively he's not all that. You have Irmino who has been 
quite poverty for a while now. They still rely on Henderson, you know. So, and I'd say they've kind of regressed to the mean. If we had like um, something like 70 matches a season, maybe we'd see the true Liverpool when they cannot outrun everyone, they cannot bully everyone. <laughs> so, I think this is what we are seeing. This is the, the level that they really should be at, I guess, when they're not punching above their weight. So I'm not surprised, really. And plus, anyway, the league is won. It's kind of difficult for them to mess that up. The league is won, so maybe they have, they're like, okay, line. let's get this over the line. We don't need to do too much. We don't need to score too many goals. We did our job when the league started. So now we can take it a bit easy. Um. It, it has been suggested in some quarters that their style of play uh, bends mostly on fans getting behind them and, you know, this playing with emotions and feelings and all that. Without fans being in the stadium to support them in the way they usually do. Has it been is it Feel that once they get to the rhythm of playing fast, they'll come. Sorry? They didn't get the last part. Do you feel that once they get back to their rhythm, a bit of fitness, Monica, uh, they'll get back to a good level? Maybe, maybe. They, 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 they are what I call a pace, power, and passion team, P cubed team. So at the moment, the, the, the pace, the, everything is missing. Everything in their recipe is, all the ingredients are missing to get the Liverpool we are accustomed to seeing. So of course, the, the passion comes from the fans, the coach, which gets to the players themselves. So, themselves. so we won't see that this season, definitely. The pace, uh, I don't think they'll go all out again. So I'm not sure they'll hit the levels they were at before, before Corona. And even then, they were still starting to look a bit shaky. So maybe wait for next season, see what they can do. Madrid are back on top, Cabral. Yeah. So, uh, after two wins, one of them fell. After three wins. After three wins, sorry. One of them fairly controversial. Um, are they now the favorites to win the league given their upcoming fixtures and uh, Barcelona's troubles, in your opinion? I, I don't think Madrid are outright favorites. It's still, you know, the the, the difference isn't that big. And uh, as I see it, there's still a, a few places where they, they could draw points. Uh, it's it's not as straightforward. La Liga is not as straightforward as people make it out to be. Uh, I mean, a few years ago, it would have been, okay, Madrid can go on and win all the remaining games. Or Barcelona can win all the remaining games. But... Uh, those teams have gotten weaker, much, much weaker. So the matches, if you watch them, are actually, you know, competitive up to a point. Of course, the the, the, the two will always be favorites, but uh, I, I I don't think uh, you can rule out Barcelona at this point. Maybe when there are like two games remaining, you'd say, okay, yeah, sure. But uh, Barcelona still have Messi and, uh, you know, he's a defense maker. And we cannot say that uh, Madrid will uh, will win all their games. There have been a few questionable calls. I'm I'm not one to point those out because every team, every big team, gets calls in their favor. 
that uh, fans will say, you know, make them seem like favorites. For apparently, fans think that um, the FA or the Bundesliga or the you know La Liga, you know, the people who run them, and plus the referees are in cahoots with certain teams to favor them for some reason, which is it's a lot of bullshit. You know, uh, it happened with Man United, it happens with Arsenal, it happens with the. You know, all the big teams have gotten favorable calls. So the, the, when people say that, uh, but Juventus, it's so funny that Barcelona fans are actually saying that referees favor Madrid, but you know, fans call Barcelona UEFA because they UEFA favors Barcelona. And then when Man United get good calls, you know, Arsenal fans will say no. United have these referees in their pockets, but when Arsenal are scoring offside goals, you know United fans say no, they are favoring Arsenal. So every big team has things. There's a bias around them. So you just have to get with it because there's no referee who has been indicted for anything European, European top five league. So, you know, okay, let Italy, you know, should not be part of this story, but yes. Um, in that case, Fabian, yes, in that case, should Messi have seen red then? Yeah, he should have for the show on uh, was it on Fernando? Yeah. He, yeah, he should. He should have. I mean, or at least a book. He didn't even get a yellow, so that was a bit. Um, and 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 Jesus Navas was saying that when they asked the referee, when they told the referee that Messi has pushed somebody, the referee was like, "That's none of my concern." So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So you, you see, you see what I was talking about. Yeah. Those are Barcelona fans and Madrid fans, all saying referees favor the other. But it but it's, it's, it's negligible. But Cabal, uh, I have a, I have a theory. I think, yeah. Sometimes I just think that referees naturally favor the 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 bigger the bigger teams naturally, and not out of the out of uh, not deliberately, but naturally. Calls go to the the bigger the better teams games. I don't know. True. Just something that I happens. agree. Uh, because you, you you find, I don't know, you, you find uh, and and I and I, I used to think there are teams that play so well that when you are when when you are refing when you are refing them, you're you're more likely to want the football to continue than you know make any interruptions make any calls so in advert even and and even and even when they score goals that would normally be offside but as a referee as as a, as an onlooker you are you're more likely to just give it True. Without even knowing that you're doing so so yeah it, it could be but uh, Anyway, and like Cabrera said, almost every every big, almost every other team gets calls anyway. So, if another team gets uh, favored by some call, it will also happen in some instant. Uh, maybe in, in the next few games, another team will also get those calls. So, uh, what I believe is that at the end of the season, they cancel each other. So they 
no team goes with a big advantage over, over the other on the basis of uh, obfuscation. Yeah. And Bobo, have you been excited by Real Madrid's renaissance after Zidane's second coming? Uh, uh, yeah, I'd say I'm, I was kind of excited by it. Everyone had written him off. Well, a lot of people had written him off. They were like, this is he's coming to, I don't know, put a nail on his own coffin. But he's, he's done such a good job with um, even injuries to some of his key players like Asensio. But he's kind of managed to just keep Madrid at the top. They're now back in contention. I think at some point they were out. I'm not sure. I haven't been following La Liga too much, but he's done such a great job. It's exciting. So, if, if uh, given the way he left after winning the Champions League, and he's basically said, I can't coach this team anymore. We need new players. We need to freshen up the team. And the appointments that followed, Fabian, do you think that he played the politics of Madrid perfectly and came out on top? Absolutely, he did. Uh, but, but again, you should remember, uh, and not just you, all of us should remember that Zinedine Zidane occupies a unique place in Real Madrid. Um, I struggle to find anybody as influential as Zidane has been to that club, at least in the maybe in the last... 20 to 30 years. Um, Zidane, when, he went, when, when Florentino Perez was, was signing him, Perez signed him, actually, they were in a, in a hotel, I think in Monaco. And they were sitting far apart from each other, across tables. And, and Florentino couldn't get to him directly. So he wrote on a napkin, do you want to play for Real Madrid? and passed it on to him. And then Zidane wrote yes and passed it back to Perez. So that's that's the unique story about how he was signed. See, this is somebody that Florentino desperately wanted in his team. And then he came uh, and he was the, really the face of the Galactico era. Um, hence, even the, the, the phrase Zidane's y Pavones to mean that Madrid were going for the Galacticos, yes, but with a mix of the, you know, the homegrown talent from the La Fabrica. So, and <clears throat> of course, the first Galactico era didn't really, they weren't really successful as they should have, but Zidane was one of, there was never really criticism on Zidane. Zidane performed always consistently, uh, whether or not the others around him were floundering. Um, he always played his part and the Madrid faithful always appreciated. So he's somebody that is he, almost an institution within the club. So it's only Zidane that can make that call, that can tell the president, no, uh, if you don't get me these players, I'm leaving. Uh, and, and and that is after being so success, successful, three Champions League titles in a row. No president would ever sack him for that. But he he's the one who can go to Florentino and tell him, well, if you're not going to do this, I'm going to leave. And he left. And of course, we know, all know what happened. Lopetegi, Lopetegi came. It went to it went horribly wrong. Uh, the other guy, uh, Solari. Santiago Solari came in you know, to it just didn't work out. So 
and I think Florentino went to him and told him, okay, fine, you are right. Can you come back? And Zidane was like, okay, if you'll do it this way, then I'll come back. So uh, I think Zidane used his influence, his position, his 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 stature at the club to uh, to bend or to force the hand of the president uh, into you know like into refreshing the squad a bit. Now we have now we have in a number of, in a number of positions we have uh, there are near options better players and uh, newer options, better players, better options. So he did. He, he played the politics and he, he, it was a masterstroke by him. So, and it's not surprising that he's now uh, relatively successful in his second team. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of fans are aware of the effects of COVID-19 in the men's game, but uh, less talked about in this is the women's game. Uh, take us through how the lockdown has affected women's football. Okay. Um, first of all, we know that there's there's very little money in women's football compared to men's football. Already money is an issue without um, the, the challenge of COVID-19. So... With COVID, money has become an even bigger problem with leagues being suspended, with uh, teams unable to offer contracts to players. Like when, like Liverpool offered temporary contracts to players, which meant uh, as a player, if you get an injury, then you're, that's on you. Uh, there's no health insurance. There's no, there are no bonuses and all that because the teams can't afford to offer long-term contracts. Already, for most teams, long-term contracts are rare they offer mostly one year contracts so covid has made the situation worse in a, in a game that was that seemed to be picking up with more fans um more sponsors and all that and also the current model of women's football in europe especially is they still rely on sponsorship uh-huh. like you rely on a company to come in and say uh, ladies we want to give you this money for a certain thing here and there and and all that so with covid one companies don't have money so that means the number of sponsors is also going down so teams are being left um, at a loss of what to do like they don't know where the money to pay players coming from what next with the league suspended the fa has also been suspended i think despite the fact that the reward is only i think uh, three thousand pounds or something so there's been yeah that should be the reward money for i think it's 0.83 percent of uh what the men win but by it has been suspended anyway which means that even teams that had the chance to win just that little amount of money teams like chelsea and arsenal will go without will go without that money so i think it's kind of bleak right now for the women's game and and there's nothing they can do at the moment to unless some benefactors come through there's nothing the women's game can do at the moment but this is now the time for the leaders in the game the different affairs in the different countries to think about how they can stop women's football from relying on goodwill to actually being like the men's football where it's a business not not, not we don't need that Ma- Ma- manchester united coming like goodwill they get manchester united women no we need women's football to to run the same way men's football <coughs> men's football runs sorry yeah um cabral is this a subject that you're 
aware of, especially given that we all watched the FIFA 2019 World Cup, Women's World Cup. Um, obviously, the quality has improved. Um, is this the kind of setback that came at the worst possible time for the women's game? Um, I, I, I don't think... Um... I'm I'm not one of those people who you know says that uh, saying that uh, w- women's football the quality has improved uh, you know just because just for 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 you know for effect I I, I genuinely enjoyed the the women's World Cup and uh, if you say has it improved in the last decade I'd say yes the quality has improved but. Uh, not improved in the last year or anything. Uh, yes, uh, the, the figures from America, figures from uh, for, from the UK, or different leagues were all uh, forecasting that uh, this was going to be a big year for women's football. Attendances had increased, more sponsors had come in, there was more awareness. Uh, a lot of you know fans shifted from uh, the men's football to women's, and people watched both. Uh, a lot more games were broadcast on TV, picked up, which meant uh, a lot more money for them. Uh, so slowly, things were looking up. It was always going to be a process. Uh, and yes, as Bobo said, it's, uh, it, it looks very bleak in terms of uh, how this, you know, the payments and how the, the women who play football for certain clubs are going to survive and things like that. But I don't think it means bad things for the quality because quality isn't something that disappears over a few months. You take it disappears, but quality is there. So while the you know the disease might have come at a bad time, uh, as things go back to more normal, maybe in you know in a few months, and women football returns, the fans will you know that they're gained will come back. Uh, the sponsorships, the broadcast, and everything. But uh, the quality will not reduce or, you know, increase or anything. It, 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 it takes a lot, a lot more time for something like quality to decrease or increase. Fabian, I'll ask you this, and then obviously, Bobo, you'll um, add more flesh to it. But is the current, obviously the current model is not sustainable. So how does football make sure that women's football gains similar if not more attention than the men's game currently uh, i think the one big thing is that uh football cl- football clubs have to take the women's game more seriously than they are doing right now and they have to commit more more money to it uh kissing point and i think bobo mentioned it's liverpool liverpool football club and this i mean when I say football club, I mean the whole of Liverpool. Uh, the, the men's and the women's teams this season are just a, you know, a complete contrast. Uh, the men's side are runaway leaders of the Premier League. They're going to win the Premier League. Uh, and they're playing so well. You know, everything they're doing, both on the pitch and out of it, is just... You can see there's a plan and you can see they're, they're geared there to win, to win things. But the women's uh, side uh, in the women in the women's super league, they've just been relegated, and it could be said that um, well, the the club are not really they they don't see 
the value in the women's team so they don't put as much effort they don't put as much care they don't put as much money into into the, uh, the women's team and 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 that 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 should be that should not be acceptable for a club like liverpool if you're a club like liverpool traditionally the, one of the biggest teams biggest clubs in england uh, and now having a women's team i mean uh, they ought to do more they ought to do more than than uh than that they're doing it doesn't make sense that your men's team in the same season your men's team are the best in in the men's league and the worst in the women's league there's just something wrong there so uh, yeah i guess what needs to be done is just clubs have to commit to you know put more effort as much as much effort as they they they, they put in the men's game into the women's game as much money okay maybe not as much money but more money surely uh because you know it, uh, and i think even the players themselves even the women the, the, the liverpool women themselves if they see how they're being treated uh compared to how the men are being treated would they be would they really have any motivation um to when they, when they play i don't think so so yeah the surely the, the the clubs themselves have the clubs themselves have to uh make the decision they have to make the resolution to back the women as uh in the same breath as they back the men the, you know, we can't be talking about quality uh in other fields except football uh and a good example so another example is Borussia Dortmund one of the biggest teams in the world one of the best teams in germany with uh, one of the best supported teams in the world but they don't have a women's team up to now they just simply don't have a women's team so you wonder and and dortmund is a club that is is seen as very progressive in you know social issues and all that so you wonder why a club like borussia dortmund the great borussia dortmund in 2020 they still are not having a recognized women's team so uh, i think it, it's got it, it's a lot to do with clubs making that decision making that resolution that okay we are going to give our women the support uh that they require yeah yeah bobo okay first i, I think i'll disagree with cabral on the quality thing i think quality of the women's game will decline at the start it will it will get back and keep improving but it will decline because when you think about things like uh, maintaining fitness during these times for covid you find a player like uh, beth mid who plays for arsenal uh, going on to twitter to ask for an exercise bike mm. you wouldn't find message asking for an exercise bike on twitter because either he can afford it or the team will send one to his home for his home fitness gym so such things you have players women training outside being arrested and uh, tortured by police like the case in Wales where Welsh woman was training and she was asked to stop at the park would that happen if it was Gareth Bell no so i think the quality will decline because many women cannot afford either home gyms and the whole training outside has been a problem especially in european countries so with lowered fitness and again with the whole contract situation a team like liverpool again losing some players because they don't want to sign temporary contracts 
would mean that at the start of next season, and it means that some teams won't be at the same level they are, they'll be worse off because they lose players. Um, I think again, uh, that's a matter of clubs committing resources if to the women's game, and that is very, very important. Women also need to, you know, keep lobbying, keep calling for more action, keep highlighting what they're going through because a lot of people don't know what they're going through. Then there's also the fact that I think only maybe 18% of the women are professional, the rest are amateur, which means that in your contract, maybe you get something like, uh, this is just, I guess, maybe 100 pounds a week. Then the clubs make up for it with things like housing in your contract or food, um, such things. So with COVID, it means that these things may not be there anymore. So your total livelihood is affected. When your club says they can't offer you a contract anymore, that means that's your house gone, that's your food gone. So things like homelessness in the game may rise, uh, starvation, hunger and starvation among the players. So the men, the men's game also, I think the men need to step up. I'd like to see um, players speaking out for women as much as they speak out for rhinos and forests. Uh. You know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That 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 would make a big difference. I like Bellary calling for for the right back in the, in the Arsenal team. I'd like to see for Ramsey asking for more money for Juventus players. You know, not just other causes. That, that I think men are also blind to the men in football are also blind to this. So. Like like what happened in tennis, I think the top players found a way to help the players who are ranked to 50th and below because those players would really suffer. So we need men to step up and and talk talk more on behalf of the women, um, so that the clubs can support more. Also, put a lot more pressure on the football associations to increase things like prize uh, prize money, uh, improve. I don't know, there's so many ways, policies that can improve the women's game to secure futures for these women. And, and locally, yeah, and locally uh-huh. perhaps, um, have there been any improvements or efforts by the Federation to improve women's game? The Federation? I, I do not think so. Um... <laughs> Our federation maybe sees the women's game as an opportunity to make money, but not really nothing much. Like I think it was last season I was looking at the table and I'm thinking the disparity between the top teams and the teams at the bottom is so big, and and that's that that's reflected by the the amount of money the teams have. You find some teams they can quite comfortably pay their players a sort of weekly wage. Other teams can't even make uh, transport money for a match that's maybe 200 kilometers away. So they just forfeit the match. So I don't think the Federation has done enough. It hasn't done enough to raise funds, to raise awareness for the, the, the top two leagues. I think we should have more. We should have more money, more awareness, more marketing, uh, more education for not just the, the, the players, but also the coaches on how how can you make your team, how can your team generate its own income? You know, again, we need, a, we need some sort of independence in the women's game also. So that teams can learn. Uh, these are ways we can bring in the community to support our game. These are ways we can bring in corporations to support our teams, to support the ladies. So the federation hasn't helped. It lacks accountability, lacks vision. 
So there's 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 a whole lot that can be done locally for the women's game. Right. Well, yeah. That has been insightful. Um, but before we leave, I'd like to read some breaking news from Sky Sports coming in right now. David Luiz to ex- to sign a one-year extension contract. Huh? One-year contract extension at Arsenal. Good news, bad news? <laughs> oh, dear. I think it's good news. If I speak, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible news, man. There's no need to hide it. Why? That's awesome news. Wait. They couldn't wait for next week for our wounds to first heal. Yeah. Oh dear. Okay. Right, guys. Um, we've had technical issues today. Uh, but uh, I hope you've enjoyed that as much as I've done. It's been great having you speak on this issues. I hope we meet again next week and they set the biggest stories in world football. So, uh, Bubo, thank you for joining us today. Hope to see you again. Thank you so much, too, for having me. Uh, Cabral. It's been a pleasure. Good, 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 good. Sorry. Cabral, nice to hear from you again. Thank you. Pleasure. And Fabian. Too bad you had to ruin it with the David Lewis news, but okay. <laughs> Bye.